Matthew 17, verse 2. You know, Jesus, though he was God in the flesh, you know, the Bible calls Jesus Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You know, we know, most people know Isaiah, you know, when he prophesied about the coming Savior, Jesus, he said, unto us a son is given, unto us, you know, a child is born, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, well, that's the name given to the Holy Spirit, the Mighty God, Jesus was called the Mighty God, and then it says the Everlasting Father. Interesting. So, but what people don't realize is, is though Jesus is God in the flesh, because he received a body, he, he, was, he was here, but he did not function as God. He never performed a miracle until he was 30 years old, and after he was an, uh, uh, baptized by John and the Holy Spirit came on him, he literally functioned like an ordinary man, though he was God. Why am I saying this? Because he was tempted like we are. And the Bible said, God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt man with evil. We know that from James in the first chapter. The, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, God is never weary. He's never tired. There's no searching of his strength. In other words, his strength is so inexhaustible, there's no weakness in God at all. But Jesus was tempted. The Bible said he got tired. But the Bible said he was God in the flesh. Well, if you look in Philippians, it said that he laid aside his eternal weight and glory. Some notes, you know, in the margin of some Bibles or different translations say he emptied himself of his divine powers. No wonder he didn't produce a miracle until after he was filled with the Spirit. And the, because the Bible said this first miracle he did, turned the water into wine. Then it said this second miracle he did. So if you have a first and you have a second, then that shows a beginning. But that first one didn't happen until he was 30 after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Because you recognize now that Jesus was tempted. The Bible said God can't be tempted. The Bible tells us that God's not weary, but he got weary. The Bible said there's no searching his understanding. He's, but the Bible said, so in other words, God knows everything, but the Bible said Jesus grew in knowledge and in grace. So he emptied himself of his Godward privileges and came to the earth as a man. Why is that important? Peter said it like this. He came not only to redeem man and to buy men back to God because they were separated from sin, but it says so that he would show us how we ought to live. See, a lot of people look at Jesus and, and they go... Um, well, he's Jesus. Yeah, he is. But he came to show us how to live. So when he was tempted, he was tempted just like you were tempted. Though he was God, he didn't use his Godward power. He laid that aside when he came here because man goofed this whole thing up. Man had to get it back. So Jesus was 100% God 
and 100% man, but he didn't function as God. He got tired. He was hungry. He, he did all these different things. He couldn't just do stuff. that People say, well, it was just Jesus. He could do anything he wanted to. That's not true. In Matthew 12 and in Mark 6, the Bible said he could not do certain miracles because he was hindered by people's unbelief. See, because if he did stuff we couldn't do, then how could we look at his life? How could you look at his life and go, he's my example? Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. How can I look at his life and think, well, I can do that if he's somebody different? Jesus himself said in John 14, 12, most people know this, he said, the works that I do, he said, you will do. And greater works than these will you do, because I go unto the Father. But he said, if you believe on me, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. And whatever you ask or demand in my name, using the authority in my name, he said, I'll back it up and do it. Then he said, if you ask anything, said it again, in my name, he said, I'll do it that the Father might be glorified in the Son. So he just said right there, we can do some stuff that he did. Isn't that what it looked like when he sent out his disciples? And not just the twelve. Remember, there were 70 more. Why am I saying this? Because if there were things he did, they're maybe given for an example for us. How we should do things. Now, you're not the savior of the world. You're not going to have to die on a cross to redeem anybody. But you may get crucified. I mean, not today or anything, you know. But how many of his disciples did? In the early church, bunches of them did. But they didn't redeem man. But he said this. He said, if I was persecuted, he said, they'll persecute you. He said, anybody who lives godly in Christ, the Bible said, will suffer persecution. People will make fun of you if you're living it right. Oh, you think you're holier than me. Never said that. You think you're better than me because you go to that church. You go to church every Sunday. No, I never said that. And we shouldn't be startled when people say stuff like that because those who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. People, not everybody's going to agree with you. If every Jesus said it this way, Woe unto you who everybody speaks well of you. And how many people try to live their life making everybody speak and think well of them? You with me? How many think that way? And God's got something, and He's working. You with me? And what's interesting is, so we shouldn't be bothered if people persecute us, people come against us, people are bothered by us. Because remember, he lived a life to show us how we ought to live. Right? So if there were certain things he did, we should do them. 
One thing Jesus did was he was very much into what the Bible said and studying it for himself. At 12 years old, he was in the temple. He was blowing people away. They said, where did he get this knowledge? He was one who studied the scriptures. He often quoted the Bible. But here is something Jesus did in his life that we all need as a practice in our life. He prayed. He spent time with God. Often, I should say this, a lot of times by himself. Sometimes he invited people to come with him. And he didn't even always invite all of his disciples to come with him. It's an interesting thought. You know, because some people think, well, if I live with Jesus, you know, when he was here, I would have, it would have been cool to be up on that mountain. He only took three. When he went into the, the, the garden to pray, right before he uh, was crucified and turned over and then crucified, it's interesting because he took his 11, Judas wasn't with him, he was off getting ready to do his betrayal thing. But he literally took 11 and he said, sit here while I pray. And then he said, you three come with me. And he said he went a little further and told those three, you sit here, watch and pray. And then he went a little further and prayed himself. It's interesting, he didn't tell the first group to pray, he just said, you sit here. Well, when there's times when we're going to face things in life, many times the Lord will try to draw us apart to pray. Why? Because He wants you to face them successfully. What happens when you pray? What can happen when you pray? What will happen if I pray? What will happen? Notice this. This is one of the times that Jesus prayed. And invited some of his disciples. Because how many times, I mean, think about it. I should be careful, I know this as a pastor, I should be careful how I tell you to pray. Now, I should teach you how to pray. But for me to say everybody has to pray this much, I think is dangerous because Jesus never made a rule and said, do this this much. But they saw his example. In other words, one time he said, could you not tarry one hour? But he only said that to three of the eleven. And it was only one time. It wasn't a rule of thumb that every single day you have to pray an hour. Though people talk like that. It's not true. We know that the disciples prayed and had prayer lives after and spent time praying. But when he was alive on the earth, you know, most people know the story when, when Jesus commanded the disciples to go across to the other side. So they got in this boat, and they got, and they started paddling away, and it, you know, and then got later and later and later and later and later at night. I suppose it was a full moon because they could see him and he could see them when he walked out to them on the water. But as they're going out there, it said he went up after he dismissed the crowd, told the crowd to leave, told the disciples to leave, said he went up on a mountaintop and he prayed. He spent time praying and talking to the Lord, to, to God. 
He just talked and he talked and he talked and he talked. And we don't know exactly what he talked about because we weren't there and nobody was there. But then he came down and he went walking on the water and he, they had been toiling. They got into a storm. We know the story. But you think about it, what was he doing? He was praying by himself. They knew it. You with me? When he made decisions, he went and he prayed by himself. As a matter of fact, Judas, when they went to, you know, well, he sold out, went to go tell the Romans and the people, hey, you know, I'll sell out. You can have Jesus. They said, well, where is he? Jesus said, well, he's in this garden. He often goes, he said, he often goes there to pray. Isn't it interesting? He knew his habit that this guy, Jesus, often went there to seek God's will and to pray and to get things settled. Now, we know he went to a desert place. We know he went to a mountain places. But here it said he often went to this garden. So there were different places Jesus went to pray. Now, the Bible said when you pray, go into your closet. That means you don't have to drag everybody in there. There's just times we have to go in there, and he said, pray. And he said, what the Lord shows you in secret, then you can speak and show and tell openly. That means people who get apart with God are going to be dealt with by God. He's going to deal with them in multiple ways. He'll bring answers. He'll bring strength. He'll give direction. Our own wills can get settled when we take the time aside. So the disciples knew praying was important. We see uh, that he had different places he prayed. He prayed often. What's fascinating to me is this wore off on the disciples later. They would have times of constant prayer. They would have different times where different things were happening, and they prayed, and they prayed after he left. As a matter of fact, right after they saw him, they went into an upper room and prayed for a long period of time. You can get things settled when you pray, and the disciples learned. But I was going to say this. What's interesting is when he was in the garden, he said, The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. In other words, he said, You're going to have to deal with your actions. And the way you're yielding your actions is through your will. So when you pray, you can get your will settled. I wonder how Jesus knew that. Maybe he had already had personal experience of doing God's will through his life. And so when he took them aside, he said, listen, they're coming. You guys got to be ready. Let's pray. And they fell asleep. How did he know that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak? I wonder if he had to deal with his own will. Well, he was then. You with me? And he said this, Lord, nevertheless, not what I'm desiring, but what you're desiring. That's the way I want to go. Have you ever been conflicted knowing what God wanted? And then you wanted something? What do you do when you get there? You pray till you get it settled. Why? Because you need that strength. And if Jesus is our example, how we ought to live... Well, if we get in a test and a trial, isn't it interesting? James 
one of the early followers, you know, that wrote the book of James, said this, if anybody's tempted, if anybody's going through a trial, going through a hard time, he said, let them pray. Why? It was, was it just like, well, you're going through a tough time, just, I don't know what you should do, but pray, I guess. No, he knew that if they'd pray, it would be strength and help, and it would be a settling time to him. And so we can get direction. We can get settled on direction. There's so many things that can happen when we pray. You with me? And so is it important to pray? If it was important for Jesus through his life to pray, he started his ministry this way. His ministry went along this way. My grandfather, who is a minister, and, and uh, as he was probably up in his upper 80s, I, or somewhere in his 80s, he talked to me and he said, listen, the oil of life and ministry is going to be your time that you spend with God. He said, Jesus often prayed all night. You may be required to pray some long times, periods of time. Now, I'm not telling you to do that, but I am saying everybody needs to have a closet, and it shouldn't look like a haunted house full of cobwebs. You know what I mean by that? You know, you walk into the Munsters, you know, that old show, and they had all the cobwebs like nobody had ever been there. You know, have you ever been in, in your house? And I, I like my house to be clean and neat. And, uh, but every now and then, you know, you like see a cobweb. And I'll think, I just walked through that door. What if I, in other words, didn't take long for cobwebs. What if I would have not gone that way for several months? There might be a lot of cobwebs right there. So it's a place we need to go. Keep the cobwebs out. There, there are benefits to going into your closet. Because if Jesus said, go there, and then what you hear, you can proclaim openly, then he is telling you, I will deal with you if you will go there. What is temptation? It's dealings to go a certain way. Isn't it? Pressure to go a certain way. Obviously, when we're talking about it like this, we're talking about going a way that God would not want you to go. So he basically is saying you can get something that counters that temptation if you will pray. In other words, all the voices of the world may talk to you, and, and they may deal with you when you're out there, and you're living in the world but he said, if you'll go into your closet, there will come another voice to you. And this other voice will help you. So when you go back out there, you're not going out there having never heard anything and just facing it on your own. You have another voice that said, I'm with you. I'll strengthen you. This is the way to go. Stay this course. Go down this path. This is what I have for you. Sometimes, you know, we just need to refresh the screen. Look at it again. Go back there. You with me? But you know, these things take some effort. They, they could cut into some very important television time. Because you know, 
when we stand before the Lord, he's going to ask, did you watch all the reruns? He doesn't care if you watched it when it was in syndication. He's talking about, did you watch them all again? These are important things that you must know. So when you stand before the Lord, you're like, okay, I watched those shows. Oh, I watched that one three or four times. The Lord's going to love that. And when he said, did you watch him? You go, watch this. I know this whole line. <laughs> oh, well, well, angels come around. He, he knows the whole line. And then everybody in heaven is going to be so excited. Oh, that was a good episode. We were watching that. I mean, we turned our heads away those two times when there was immoral things happening, of course. Because we're in heaven. No, we may just have to put some things aside to get into the closet. Who do you want to hear? What do you want to hear? What do you need to hear? What are you requiring to hear? Well, Lord, just direct me in Jesus' name. What do you have to hear? I'm not talking about seeking voices, but I do know this. If I spend time, he's going to deal with me. And sometimes I'm wanting him to deal with other people instead of me trying to deal with them. Why don't I spend some time for God to deal with them too? Let me say that over here. Maybe instead of me dealing with these people, you know, I should spend some time and let God deal with them by me talking to God. I mean, do you think that when Jesus chose his disciples, it said he spent all night, then he called out some people and said, you follow me, you follow me, you follow me. And they said they just dumped everything and left. There's, an interest, there's a lot of interesting thoughts. Why did they just dump everything and leave? He had no prior history of some being some minister. You know, some big grandiose guy. He just starting off and he said, you follow me. And they gave up businesses. God asked people to give up the remote control for an hour and they're like, well, just wait a minute here. Who do you think you are telling me such things? Okay, in a few minutes. Why is it that they readily surrendered? Remember, Jesus had prayed before. Here's my belief. I believe those people were already being dealt with by God before Jesus ever showed up. They just responded to his voice because they already knew stuff. They already knew. When we first started the church, well, I did because nobody else was here but me. <laughs> I remember I went to Viewpoint Golf, and, uh, and I knew this is where we're going to do this thing. And so I'm setting, you know, walking through there, and I didn't want to tell the people, hey, I want to start a church. I wanted to find out what the rates were and different things like this. I, so this one lady who's the general manager over the whole thing um, 
said, well, I don't do that, uh, but we do have somebody who does do that, but they're not here. Um, I'll go ahead and take care of it for you, but I never do this. And she kind of went back and forth. She said, let me show you one of the rooms. And she just kind of was like, come on. So I was like, okay, cool. So I'm like, oh, this would be nice. And she's like, well, what for? I just would like just just checking, you know, I'm just trying to see. And she's like, well, you know, she's fishing. I'm not biting. Because, you know, I didn't know if she'd be all for it. I, you know, try to get her with my charm first and then throw it out there or something. I, I was just, I wanted to make sure before I said something. And uh, I said, actually, I said, to be just, I'll be truthful now. I've been lying to you the last half hour. No, I said, truthfully, I said, I, I'm going to start a church. And it was like she didn't hear anything else I said after, you know. I was like, I'm going to start a church, do this. And she said, she's not even saved at this point. She said, um, she said you're going to start a church, huh? Yeah, I'm going to start a church. And I said, well, I'm moving from California, you know. And so I'm out here checking. She's like, you're going to start a church, huh? I'm like, yeah, I want to tell my story. She said, well, what kind of music are you going to have? I said, well, to be honest with you, I don't know. I'm starting a church. I can't sing, so it ain't going to be me. And I thought, well, if I have to, I'll just turn on a track. Because I, I, here's my vision of the church starting. Because, you know, there's all these rules of how you start a church. You get 20, 30 people on a team, and they're over this, and then you have this, and then you do this Bible study for this many weeks, and you have this much money in the bank, and there's formulas for doing it. God dealt with me to go do it, so I said, obey. So I didn't have, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to run down the back aisle after I said I'm going to receive the offering, and there's one person there, and run down and grab the basket, and go, here you go, and run back up, and I just, you know, and go through the whole thing. And then when I want to record the service, I run back there and push record. Serious. I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I know nobody. And so she just kept going on about this music, you know, this music. I'm thinking, I don't think by my conversation with her that she knows Jesus. I Me, mean, I know she knows of him, is favorable for, for him. She said, so you have nobody to do the music, huh? I said, nope. So what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I'll just play some CDs and sing and lead whoever's there. I'm gonna... She said, well, who's going to be there? I said, I don't know. I'm going to go start handing out flyers in the neighborhood. So I said, you didn't have a good plan. No, it was God's plan. Now, I could have done other things different, but that was it. And she said, I'll do the music for you. She's over the whole thing. Now, you don't, do, somebody said, amen. You don't know her, you know, huh? Amen. She said, I'll do the music for you. You know, inside, something went off. I said, I'll let you do it. I knew she's it, and I knew she wasn't saved. See, that'll mess people's hair up. <laughs> we leave today, and somebody's like, did you not? Take a shower, your hair's messed up. Did you have a bedhead? No, that was from when he was preaching. It just messed me up. <laughs> and uh, so, she, 
So she said, all right. So I said, all right. She had just moved into Gold Canyon, and I was just going to. So I'd meet her at this coffee shop. I said, now here's some CDs. Here's some, here's some songs, and here's the words, and you just practice, and you, you get good. I didn't know. And she's all, you know what? She said, I have a degree in music. Even though I do all this stuff in the corporate world, my teachers in college thought I'd be a professional musician. She said this, she said, six months before you came, something started just rising up in me, and I'm praying about this long before I ever came. She said that I felt like maybe I was going to start a country western career or something. She said, I knew something about singing's coming. So what she did was, they have these important big-time name people, I guess, come through, and I'm not like, I only know Johnny Cash or so. He don't come through anymore. And, um, but uh, that being said, somebody, and so she told the person who was over all the activities of Viewpoint, said, said, uh, you're not going to do this. I'm doing this. Because she said, I'm going to ask him. I'm going to find out how he started, what he did, the steps he took to move forward. Because I'm knowing there's something in me to do. And she told me, so I went. And she said it was the worst thing. He didn't help me at all. She said, but when you came. And uh, I never heard her sing a song until the day she did it the first time in church. And I said, praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I had pastor friends go, are you serious? I said, I'm led by God and I know this is God. I know it. So they called me not to find out how church was the first Sunday, but to find out how she was. (laughs) Truth. I'm like, she's incredible. Serious. Like seriously, a real good singer. And they're like, wow, that's cool. About three weeks later, she got saved. I know people don't like that, but she did. Then she couldn't have a baby could not have a baby. Her and her husband had tried and tried and tried, and she's in her 30s now, and could not have a baby. So like we did, you know, praying for people like this, she came down and said, will you pray for me? Because she, she'd tell me after, you know, when I stand up there and sing, I sense God. I said, I, I believe it. She, so she said, she said, will you pray for me? I prayed for her. The power of God came, and she just fell out on the ground. She didn't know anything about that. Her husband came to pick her up that day, met him at the door. She said, in nine months, we're having a baby. That's what she got out of church. (laughs) Medically, they can't have a baby. I guess they'd been trying and not just doing it. I mean, doing it, but not getting the results. (laughs) And, um, And so she's in her 30s expecting no, no child, but she told him, she said, nine months, I'm going to have a baby. And he looked at her, he said, yep, he prayed for me today, you watch, nine months. He rolled his eyes, went, oh, brother. Nine months later, just barely past nine months, out popped the little boy. Could not. But what I'm getting at is this. 
God set her up and was preparing her, though she couldn't figure it out in her head. She was knowing something, so when I showed up, boom. You don't think God was dealing with these guys? I bet these guys knew when they were little they were called to some kind of ministry, but in their heads, being Jewish boys, they were probably confused. They were, had confusion. You say, why? Because if you're not of a certain tribe, you're not a priest. Uh, or, you know, one of these Pharisees or one of these, who, these who, you know, how do I join up? They're knowing something. So when Jesus said, follow me, they responded. Why? Because there was an outward call, but there had already been an inward call. And I know this, that these people would pray and they would spend time, but there's just something about spending time with God. You ready? Matthew 17. Jesus is our example. Verse 1 says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, James's brother is John, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. So maybe they thought they were hiking. Hiking up this big old mountain. And they're by themselves. Notice the other ones are not with them. And he was transfigured before them. Now remember, he's not transfigured because he's God. He's transfigured as a man. So what's transfigured? You know what I mean? Like did he turn into a Camaro and then a... Not transformers, transfigured. He started glowing like somebody turned on a light. It's not the first time this has happened. This happened in the Old Testament when Moses, an ordinary guy called of God, went up and spent time with God. He didn't even know it when he saw God's glory and came down and he was like that. And it's not the only times in the Bible. And it said, he, verse 2, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now remember, he's our example, but if, but if you're not sure, you say, yeah, but that's Jesus. Go read Acts, the seventh chapter. Stephen, one of the early disciples, not even one of the apostles, it said, when he went to preach to some people who were opposing, religious people who were opposing the gospel, it said that they beheld him and his face became as an angel. Well, if you go back to, to Matthew 28, like 2 and 3, it talks about an angel and how his face was white like a light, you know, like the sun, just like this. And it says the glory of the Lord, you know, was on his face. And, and as he preaches through that whole chapter, it's one of the longest sermons, at the end it says they were going to stone him now after seeing this. So don't be bothered if not everybody likes what happens. And it can still really be God. And they're staring at him. And he preaches, and his face looks like this, and they're like, okay, it's time to kill him. And they picked up rocks to stone him to death, and he looked up into heaven, and he said, behold, I see Jesus standing. At, I see the glory of God first. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
And this dude, they start hucking rocks at him. He said, Lord, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. One of them was Paul. What I'm getting at is when we look at some things like this, don't get the idea this is just Jesus. He's isolated. He's, he's different. He is different in the sense that he was perfect, but he was doing it like we're doing it. And he gave us an example. And he's letting us know that it pays off if you spend time. And we know that Stephen spent time with the Lord because the six people that were set to serve the tables, there were qualifications, and one of them was, you know, to be filled with the Spirit. And we know that to be Spirit-filled or to maintain time or maintain a Spirit-filled life, you have to spend time praising, thanking, praying in the Spirit. So he was there. So when he started shining... He was just a person like us. But you think about, he was so emboldened in his actions, it's probably because when he was on his own, he was knowing stuff from God. It'll make you strong. It'll make you stand up when everybody else just falls over. And so this happened. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone, verse 2, like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. I wonder if we do people a disservice to just say, okay, just spend five minutes with the Lord and that's enough. Well, it might be, but maybe we should say, lock yourself in the closet. And if you don't get what you want today, go back tomorrow. Lock yourself in the closet. I wonder if it would, we would do good to have an example for our families, ourselves. So that they recognize, man, mommy was a grouch. She went into that place. She came out a nice lady. I should have said man. The husband was a grouch. Went into that place and came out. I mean, it's like Superman. It's like Clark Kent and Superman. It just doesn't always happen that fast, though. But we do know that when Moses was on the mountain, he was transfigured by being in their presence, of the presence of God. We know different times the Bible said we're changed from glory to glory, being in that presence, looking into the Word of God. And it said, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said, uh, Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Uh, if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Let me make this statement. Just because you get inspired in God's presence doesn't always mean it's God. Spend time till you know it's God. Because some people get inspired about stuff, and they get all excited. We need to do this, and we need to go here, and we need to do this. I was in God's presence. Huh. I've been there and thought, wait a minute, though I'm getting excited about something, I need to pray until I know this is right. And some things that I would have run after, I went, no, that's not it. Just leave that alone. 
Because if you build it, you got to pay for it. If he wants you to build it, he'll help pay for it. Somebody said, good, because I thought you were going to ask me. Well, he might use you. But you understand what I'm saying? He'll get behind it. He'll deal with people. And so here they are going, let's build something. Let's build something for you, 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 and him, and him. What if Peter would have followed through with that without hearing more? He was still there, and he heard from God. And he gave up that idea. What if he wouldn't? His money would have gone somewhere where it shouldn't have gone, invested in something he shouldn't. There's no way Peter could have done it by himself. So he would have had to get people to recruit him and to get him involved and join forces. So people that should have been somewhere else doing something else, investing their money somewhere else, are now putting it in something that God never asked them to do. But I've been in God's presence. So you stay until you know. You with me? And if you don't have the time, then you go back again. And notice, in verse 5, while he was still speaking... God interrupted the program. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear or listen to Him. Well, He didn't give them instructions to build those temples, and they never got built. He even told them, the instructions He told them was this. He said, you know, they had fallen now on their faces. They were greatly afraid. They fell down. This glory came, this cloud. And it said when they had lifted up their, their eyes, verse 8, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. In other words, we're not going to talk about this period. But he wanted to. He said, we've got we to build. He said, no, we're not even going to talk about it. If you go to Peter's letter written in the book of Peter, he talks about it. He talks about it and he calls it the excellent glory. Second Chronicles 5 talks about this and says that when they dedicated the temple and they all sang, it sounds like praying, spending time with God, and they sang and sang and sang, and later on it said they prayed. It said this glory came in. It said first the cloud came in, and then it calls the cloud the glory of the Lord. And it was so powerful, it said the priest couldn't even stand up and continue ministering because of the cloud. It says because the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Interchangeable words. Glory, power, cloud. It's interesting, people fell down. But how did that come about? Once again, they spent time with God. What if we spend time with God? What if we really focus when we spend time with God? I guarantee you this, if we focus while we're singing and really get after it, I promise you this, His presence will get stronger and stronger in here. If you make this your personal practice, of spending time with God, then you will get into His presence and you will bring something out. You read the story later, He came down off that mountain and a demon freaked out and He cast it out. Moses, when He came down off the mountain, He was glowing and He didn't even know it. And the people said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He started reading and, and they said, put a veil over your face. 
he didn't even know. When people spend time with God, stuff wears off. Stuff gets on you. How much stuff do you want on you? The Bible said we're transformed by this glory. So we could actually go into our own closet at home. Your closet may be the cab of your truck or the, I was going to say the cockpit of your car, the seat, the front seat of your car, whatever, and uh, thinking of a race car or something there. And uh, whatever it is, your closet may not be a physical closet. Who can have this? Anybody who gets aside and starts this practice. You can be young. You know, there's one minister, I'm going to close with this, who has gotten off base. He started off right, and he got going, uh, he got money, got after money, and money became his God. He's alive today. And um, money, there's nothing wrong with money. You can have lots of it, it just can't have you. When it gets you and you're driven by it, you'll start losing out on stuff. But you can have it. But this minister in the 80s had, when Satellite first came out, and I'm not going to give great details, they, uh, they started doing these satellite meetings. But what happened was the kids in their kids' church, because they had a school, decided to not eat their break food but to spend time and pray. So instead of going to the cafeteria, the, like the third and fourth graders all decided, and second graders, to go into this, the sanctuary and pray. And they had asked their teachers. Their teachers said, fine. They did this week after week. And then the power of God started moving super strong, and that church exploded. And they had all kinds of miracles start happening. And then well, this one minister, some of you may know, he's, I think, 90 now. Norval Hayes came and started preaching in the meetings regularly because I've heard stuff from him about how it got off and, and how because it, they got after money. But this is what I was getting at. Those kids were the catalyst. He didn't say if you're old, you can get into your closet and God will deal with you. He didn't say if you're middle-aged. He didn't say if you're a teenager. He said anybody who will get in their closet and pray wherever it is, he said the Lord will do something in you. And don't think you're just going to always hear, but something will happen. If you go to the gym long enough, you may not recognize something right away, but something is happening. And in time, you'll show up and people that maybe haven't seen you in a while are going to go, uh, what happened to you? Well, I went to the gym one time and bam. <laughs> that would be lying. Well, I changed my habit, made a new habit, and decided I'm going to start going to the gym. Didn't have a ton of time, so I just gave 20 minutes. Started feeding myself a little bit different. We can feed ourselves with the Word. And over a period of time, it wasn't as fast as I wanted. I know other people get faster results, but they put more into it. This is what you get. I'm not saying me. I'm saying that person. So if Jesus did it, it's good enough for us, right? 